Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ with our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. say we are without sin, we're not being real. We're not being honest, we're just being a bunch of phonies. So to let us now come together and be honest with ourselves, be honest with God about the ways that we mess up, the ways that we hurt each other, the ways that we hurt this world, let's now pray together the prayer of confession. Let us pray. God, we have been selfish this week. We constantly put ourselves at the center of the story, at the center of your story. We make mountains out of our anthill problems, and we ignore the cries of the world. God, we take for granted our blessings and constantly compare to others. We dig our heels in. And we speak over others instead of listening with genuine curiosity. Forgive us, God. 
and hear our silent prayers. hear the good news, that when Jesus hung from the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus forgives us even when we don't deserve it, especially when we don't deserve it. Friends, we are forgiven, called to go out and forgive one another. We are loved, called to love one another. Let us live in peace with God and with one another. Amen. Before we get to today's scripture, I've got a few quick announcements. Um, This is the last week to sign up for home groups. Um, So if you'd like to join a home group and get to know some members of the church community, please sign up online. In addition, I know that some of y'all are missing coffee and holy interruption, um, and the staff are missing it as well. Um, So just put on your calendar September 19th, which is a coming back to the fall celebration where we will bring back coffee, holy interruption, and also have a few food trucks after service um, for people to eat and enjoy each other's fellowship. So September 19th, and Dawn will be back, so you will be, not have to hear my preaching anymore. As we continue in our sermon series, looking at characters in the Bible, uh, we come today to one of my favorite characters, John the Baptist. Here now, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And John went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it was written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, 
Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be laid low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came to be baptized, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now, as the axe is lying at the root of the trees, every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share one with another, and whoever has food must do likewise. And y'all, even the tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said, collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. Soldiers also asked him, and what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning whether John might be the Messiah, but John answered all of them saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming and I am not worthy to untie the throng of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. Friends, this is the word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Y'all remember going to the movies as a family? For those of you whose minds have been completely wiped from this past year, let me remind you how it happens. You would look online or maybe even way back into a newspaper and see what films were playing. Then the hardest and most controversial part was picking which movie you were going to see. For my family, it was always a huge event. And I recall specifically at one of these events about 10 years ago where I was given the honor of picking what movie we were going to see. And I already knew what I wanted to watch. I had seen the previews for it, and it looked like this like gladiator, Braveheart-style epic movie with war, politics, romance, all wrapped up in a historical drama. It had famous actors and actresses in it, And I knew the title was was pretty well known, but I had never seen it. I wasn't familiar with the plot. But I was pumped. I was like 15. So my request, the family all bought tickets to go see Les Mis. After the first scene of singing, and when the singing just kept going and going, I leaned over to my sister in the theater and asked, Is this a musical? (laughs) 
my expectations were off. And expectations are sticky. We all have them. And they can cause a ton of trouble. Luke describes the crowd surrounding John as pros donkantos, Greek for anticipating with expectation. And I use expectations as a crutch when I'm walking into the unknown. But introducing the character of John the Baptist, Luke used expectations of his original first century audience against them. Luke knew specifically the expectation that when the word of God comes down to the people, it would come in a specific way. It would come within a, a holy temple to priests like Annas or Caiaphas. It would come in a royal palace to someone like Herod or Emperor Tiberius. That's how gods had always connected with people. Gods picked important places and met with important people. But it's quite subversive and unexpected when the scripture reads through all the historical rulers at the time, name-dropping the emperor, the governor, the high priests, and then concludes saying, but the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Imagine tuning into the Oscars and seeing Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Denzel Washington lose best actor to the girl who starred as Frenchie in the community theater's production of Greece. It was unexpected that God's word came to John. John was weird. John was really weird. John lived in the wilderness, and he ate bugs, locusts, and wild honey. If we saw him preaching on the corner, we'd probably turn away. Yet he's my favorite character in the Bible. As a Southerner who excels in the art of passive aggressiveness, I admire John's bluntness. Like an unapologetic mother from Boston, he doesn't soften his comments with any grace or sensitivity. He preaches a practical sermon. He tells the crowds to be generous and give away their coats, food, and money. He tells the tax collectors and money managers not to commit fraud. He tells the soldiers to not extort money or threaten others. But when I read this stuff again and again, he isn't really setting the bar all that high. I mean, these are baseline asks. The stuff that we are supposed to do as just good people and good citizens. But we must remember that John is prepping the crowd. He's the warm-up. He's the opening act at the Senate who no one came to see, but you're there and you're forced to listen. He grabs the mic and he looks out on this hazy crowd who all showed up to hear him speak. And when he sees who just he's dealing with, he calls them a bunch of sleazy copperheads, and he tells them, repent. Because when Jesus shows up, when the headliner comes out of the green room, repentance will be needed. Jesus is going to up the ante. 
His lessons are going to be a harder pill to swallow. I mean, Jesus says, love your enemies. Jesus says, bless those who are persecuting you. Jesus says, have the patience of flowers and birds. He says, give up your possessions and follow me. And then once you get attached to Jesus and really understand him and love him as a friend and a teacher, he says, I'm going to die. Jesus was radical. And John had the task of preparing the world for Jesus. And the best way to prepare is to repent. And I've said that word a couple times, and Luke says it. Luke says that John is proclaiming a baptism of repentance. And John calls out the crowd, say, bear fruits worthy of repentance. But when you hear the word repent, it's not a most welcoming message. A few weeks ago, I was sitting around a table with some folks I knew well and some who I didn't. I was just meeting. We were sharing stories and telling jokes, and one woman who I didn't know that well told a story that included a few expletive curse words. No big deal. But without skipping a beat, she remembered that I was a pastor, and she gasped, and she looked at me and said, forgive me, Father. <laughs> and she was being serious. And I say this because that's the type of repentance that Christians, we have been fed for centuries. That's the type of repentance we expect when hearing John's word from a conditioned perspective. Say something wrong, do something wrong, and then you ask for forgiveness. What's tricky is that the folks who usually decided what was wrong and what was right are the same folks who are asking you to come to them for forgiveness. But John's repentance is a bit more complicated. And frankly, I believe it requires more from us than a simple apology. The original Greek word metanoia is an active verb. It's a change of attitude, an almost physical 180 degree turn from where you are going. John's repentance is this nimble, agile mindset that we as Christians should have. Yet, how many of us come to church to have our minds changed? I mean, why do we come to worship? Why do we pick up our Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we have a conversation with anyone? Is it to confirm our own perspective? To remember that God is always on our side? To make us feel righteous and smart? To always meet our earthly expectations? Or is it to grow? To be stripped of our pride, our expectations, and our egos and stand before God as humble and gracious servants? 
to be made a little uncomfortable and in that discomfort be open to authentic transformation. And it's transformation like Kate mentioned last week in her sermon that's usually not on our own terms. There's that old cliche that the only constant thing in life is change. But what that cliche fails to mention is just how much we hate change. How defensive we get when we are told that our ideas are wrong. Our walls go up, our walls against God and our walls against one another. We see it every day. I saw a cartoon recently, and it shows a classic boxing ring. And this old school announcer with one of those mics that comes down from the ceiling comes out. He's dressed in a bow tie. And he gestures to a man in the corner who looks like one of the fighters. Although the man isn't dressed like a boxer, he's wearing a cardigan and slacks, and he's got his arms crossed like this. And the announcer says, and in this corner... Still undefeated are Frank's long-held beliefs. We get attached to our beliefs. We cling to our expectations because we control them. And we like control. But John tells us to repent to be ready to change our attitudes, to be ready to let go of our expectations, to prepare ourselves to encounter a Christ who we do not control. It's good news. Believe me, encountering Christ might be the best of news, but it's good news that's difficult for us to hear because it requires us to be open to change. It's a tall order. We might believe it if it came from an expert, if there was a self-help guide or a master class on living with purpose. But it came from John the Baptist. It came from a weird outsider living in the desert who was ordained by God to prepare us for an even weirder king, Jesus the Christ. Jesus, who might just ask us to watch Les Mis when we're anticipating Braveheart. Jesus, who asks us to replace our stubbornness with hearts of nimble repentance. And Jesus, who will grab our hand, walk alongside us, and ask us to replace all of our expectations with love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Have you ever wandered lonely through the woods? Everything there feels just as it should. You're part of the life there. You're part of something good. If you ever wandered lonely through the woods. Ooh.
starry sky One thing that's also returning September 19th are programs so that we can interact more through worship. We can do the liturgy together and we can say prayers together. But until we get there, uh, I invite you, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer by heart, feel free to pull up a phone or just listen along. But this next prayer will finish with the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us. So let us pray. God of change. You call us to change, yet we stay still. You call us to walk, and we sit lazily on our couches. Give us strength to be your eyes, your feet, your hands in a world that's crying out for you. Give us flexibility to adapt to apologize and to change when we mess up. Give us hearts of compassion to comfort those who mourn in this community and all over the world. Empower us to show mercy to those who need it. To be peacemakers in this world of strife. And to be listeners in rooms of shouting. God, equip us to seek your truth rather than temporary comfort. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. professors in seminary, when talking about the Presbyterian and the Reformed tradition, would always say that we are Reformed and always being Reformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. So if we think we've reached a point where we're done, we don't quite understand what it means to be Reformed and always Reforming. So friends, go out into the world and be open to the interruptions that might change us, that might change our mind, that might change us and transform us to be more like that of Jesus the Christ. As you go out into the world, love God, love people. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Go in peace.